Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Sports In Podcast. Hello, my name is Patrick Fletcher, and as ever, I am joined by Chris Ainsco. Chris, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Pato. Good to see you. Um, none the richer after the Grand National or the Masters, as I'm sure we'll come on to shortly. But uh, <laughs> yeah, good to be here. How are you? Yeah, very well, mate. I'm on a, a week off currently for holiday clubs. Week off, so I'm um, I'm enjoying it. Lovely and good to be uh, good to be doing the other podcast. I just want to also mention, really enjoyed last week's. Uh, we had some nice feedback as well with uh, Gav coming on. Yeah, yeah, it was good. I enjoyed that one. It was... Yeah, really impressed, really happy. And for those new to the podcast, we aim to make this your weekly insight into the world of sport. We will cover the latest sporting news, dissecting the previous weekend of action, whilst taking a look at what the weekend ahead has in store. We will cover every blade of grass in the run-up to the season finale, offering our trusty opinions from fantasy football to Super 6. And not to forget, we will be inviting local athletes and professionals to come and give you an insight into their world of sports. So we're going to keep the same structure as last week, Chris, for the Who Am I? Nice one. So first clue... I was born in 1991 in Christchurch, New Zealand. Oh, you not learned, learned your lesson from the Masters, one of you, when you gave us, what was it, San Diego? <laughs> you didn't even give us a date for that one. So, you've, yeah, you have made it a bit easier, to be fair. Um, so, a 30-year-old born in Christchurch. Cheers. A lot to go off. <laughs> a lot to go off there. Um Right, come on. We've got to start with the Masters. Now, last week's uh, episode was fantastic. Really enjoyed it. But we did give our predictions. So I think we should start with our predictions. So, Chris, who was your prediction and where did they come? So, Justin Thomas was my main prediction. He was my pick to win. Uh, he came tied in 21st. <laughs> um, okay. Go on, hang on, that's not too bad, actually, is it? Because you're about to go next with, with your show. Yeah. <laughs> your main one. Don't ignore your ones to watch. Your main show. Okay, shout, all right. It? Fair enough. My main shout was Patrick Cantley, uh, eight over Mr. Cut. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah, don't listen to us two. It's basically the... <laughs> well, he, he had a bit of a mare, didn't he? Let's be honest, he had a bit of a mare. I think Ian Woosnam beat him. <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, a 61-year-old Welshman. Credit to him, Ian Wisdom, though. He is a previous Masters winner, as we mentioned last week. But if he can beat Patrick Cantley, who probably has another 50 yards on his drive there. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose that backs up Gav's shout last week, though, that the Masters is a second-shot course. Yeah. It also, I think, that particularly just shows sometimes they talk about the experience, don't they, having played Augusta? Um, mm. You see quite a few of the, the older players generally a bit more steady, another way round. Um, but yeah, d- definitely second shot is what it's all about, isn't it? There. Um, my 
Well, see, I, on that Saturday or even the Sunday when I, I shouted um, Xander Shoffle, didn't I, to be in the top 10? Yeah. And he was clearly in the top 10. Was, did he come tied third to Jordan Spieth, I think? Yeah, he did. Uh, Zalatoris was second, wasn't he? And then That's it was, it. yeah, Shoffle and Spieth. So I was quite happy with my shout there. Um, but I ha- for a moment, I thought he was going to go on and win especially he was a shot behind Matsuyama, wasn't he? And then he, tr- didn't he triple bogey the 16th? He put one in the water. Yeah, he was, and yeah, he had a bit of a wobble, I think. Yeah, and that's what cost him. But I think he was quite a good show. Um, what about your top 10 show? Who was it for you? Morikawa, I put in there. Um, he was, I think he finished two under. Okay. Like 15th, something like that. Um Interestingly, someone I mentioned to uh, someone else, Matt Wolf, was one to watch. I don't think I actually said it on the podcast, um, but he actually got disqualified. I don't know if you saw that. No, I didn't. He, um, it sounds like a pretty honest human error, but he filled his score. They fill their own scorecards in still, don't they? And then have to hand them in. And okay. um, he he got one wrong and gave himself a shot less and won the holes. And he actually got disqualified. <laughs> he oh, wasn't going to make the cut anyway, so he wasn't doing it from a performance thing. But I saw that, yeah, he got, got disqualified. Jeez. Um, now, I wonder, that's a question. I wonder if that's ever happened before or if that's the first ever time in the Masters. I have no idea. It's not something you think yeah. of happening, especially because it's all on camera and everything, but it's strange. <laughs> We've got to give credit to uh, Hideki. Hideki Matsuyama, obviously the first Japanese man to win the Masters. He played very well. Um, I know Gav alluded to ball striking could win the Masters. If you'd be able to ball strike, iron play, knowing where the pins are, playing safe, knowing when to be aggressive. And I think he pretty much did that for the four rounds, especially on the the Saturday. He proved that right from the rain delay onwards, wasn't it, on the Saturday? Um, Yeah. so the last seven holes after the rain delay, um, he went six under That's to put it. himself right in contention and didn't look like... He was unbelievable from then, but yeah, yeah, like you say, a historical moment with him being the first Japanese male to win a, a major, let alone the Masters. So, And then Rob McIntyre, I've got to mention him because Gav mentioned him last week, uh, the left-hander from Scotland. That's it. And he's a rookie, wasn't he? Um, and he was under par in the four rounds, which for a rookie, give give him credit, especially with those pin positions. It was really, and the fast greens, it was so difficult for players. So I thought credit to McIntyre there. I'll give him huge confidence. Lefties play best. (laughs) (laughs) Unbelievable. Um, Grand National, Chris, you, you said at the start of the podcast that you've uh, you lost a bit of money. Who did you go for? I'm interested. <laughs> not a pound each way I lost, but, um, <laughs> but oh, okay. I, I went for Chris's dream. I couldn't not pick it. Um, I wonder why. Yeah. yeah, I had to. Um, but yeah, didn't, I can't remember. I think it was in the running till fairly late on and then pulled up or something, but no, no luck there. Who did you, did you have a dabble? Yeah. Lord to De- Sensil, Lord Hen- Pencil. Um, he also pulled up. He was third going into the final five fences. And I thought, oh, he has a chance here. I only put one pound on to win. He was 66 to one. But then, yeah, Jockey pulled him up. Oh. Um, so I was a bit disappointed with that. But then I also, what I'm thankful 
for, I was going to put Balco de Floss to win because he was 100 to 1. And I thought, oh, 100 to 1, I love that quid on. And he came second. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd have been gutted if I put him on to win and he came second. <laughs> that would probably be yeah. more frustrating, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but credit to Rachel Blackmore, Chris, first female rider to win the national uh, with Manella Times at 11 to 1. Yeah. Yeah, that's. Um... She came across really well in sort of her interviews afterwards as well, really down to her sort of uh, person. But yeah, another historical moment the weekend, doesn't it? Yeah, I was going to say that. Humble, I thought. Very yeah, humble. that's the right word, yeah. Yeah. And obviously, uh, big praise from AP, McCoy, uh, and Frankie Dettori as well on the commentary on it in the ITV. They were really, really high praise for her. And, and I think, you know what, this could be a first of many. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not being on the horse racing scene, but yeah, it seemed... Uh, from what they were saying, that yeah, it's a big, uh, just that step. It sounds like it was always going to happen from the way they were talking about it, but yeah, has made that leap. So we move on to Formula One. I know this is more your sport. Um, the second race coming up this weekend in Italy. Is that right, Chris? That's it. Um, Emilia Romana circuit. I probably butchered my Italian pronunciation there, but <laughs> um, yeah, like you say, second race of the season. Um, be interesting to see if. The form from the first race carries over at all. Obviously, different circuits in Formula One, there's big differences. Um, so it'd be good to see who is putting their hat in the ring for the rest of the season. I'm interested to see who finishes pole. I know I made that stat uh, a couple of weeks ago now with the Formula One that Mercedes lost pole first ever race in the season since 2012. So with them losing pole last week, a uh, couple of weeks ago, sorry, to Verstappen, I wonder if Hamilton, uh, Bottas, they'll be wanting to uh, rectify, if that's the word, and show, I suppose, show everyone else, okay, there's more competition now. We're going to prove to you again that we're going to kick on and make us even better. Yeah, I think Red Bull made a point last week, didn't they? Um, probably Verstappen on another day would have won. Um yeah. So, yeah, that's set up nicely for this one. Uh, looking forward to that. So, sports quiz question, second clue. I moved to Northern England at just 12 years of age. That's all I'm giving you. Got you tight today, aren't you? <laughs> so, uh, what are we looking at? So, so born in New Zealand, moved to England at the age of 12. Go on, yeah. how many clues have we got today? <laughs> We've got out. four. Okay, so... Yeah, we have got four. Might be a bit more lenient. We haven't even got a sport yet. <laughs> have you done any... Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what I thought. Have you done... Have you got any, like, guess? Any guess that's come to your mind? Nothing's in there at the moment. A 30-year-old no. New Zealander. Rugby player? Okay. Then I get, I feel, oh, no. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have, oh, have another clue off you later, I think. Okay. Listeners, uh, if you can get it from those two clues, I'll be very, very impressed. Let us know on our social media pages. Right then, Chris, let's dissect the upcoming Premier League fixtures. It's quite got some exciting uh fixtures this weekend and obviously into the week as well so i've put the midweek fixtures in because obviously this podcast doesn't get released 
on a Thursday evening. So I thought we may as well get the midweek ones in as well because of the FA Cup. So we'll start on the Friday night. It's Everton v Spurs. We move on to Saturday, Newcastle, West Ham and Wolves, Sheffield United. Arsenal, Fulham and Manchester United v Burnley is on the Sunday. Leeds v Liverpool on the Monday night. And then in midweek, we've got Chelsea, Brighton, Spurs, Southampton, Aston Villa, Man City and Leicester, West Brom. So which fixture stands out for you there? The Friday night, I think, is a a fascinating one, really, and is a bit of a season definer. So Everton versus Spurs, um, I think to have a realistic shot, I think Everton have got a game in hand, haven't they? Um, But either team, if they're looking at especially Spurs to make that push for the top four, even Europe, um, that's a must-win game, isn't it, really? Um, So that's that's the one for me. How about you? Yeah, and you could argue with Spurs losing to United on the weekend. By the way, a great result for Man United. Um, Then you could argue that game... You're saying about Everton's position. I'd argue Spurs need to win on that one to keep their yeah, top. Yeah, I meant yeah, actually. I meant both um, both okay, sides yeah. really because uh, I think what is yeah. it, point separates them, but Everton have got game in hand. That's it. So yeah, yeah. for yeah for both sides really. Yeah, especially like you say, Spurs off the back of that United game. But There's it's the also fixed. Oh, go on. Sorry. sorry, this uh, also you saying the spread of the the fixtures there. It, brought a question into my head for you here do you think there's a risk of almost overdoing it with spreading the games like that I know it's to avoid cup clashes at the moment but there's a game every day for seven days here isn't there there is so that's spread. do you think there's a, a risk of almost what's the word fixture pollution overload at all in terms We've mentioned of just, this before yeah. in Attingham haven't we on that walk do you remember we're walking around Attingham and I said to you uh, the Premier League don't really give two hoots about the players. All they care about is making sure the fixtures, especially COVID season, is making sure the fixtures are complete. That's what they care about, isn't it? So the players' welfare, for me, is right at the bottom of the list. And I think the players know that. Deep down, I think the players will be, OK, people are going to argue, hang on a minute, Patrick, they're on... F- thousands millions of money yeah yeah okay i get that financially fine but players welfare for me is still really important and like you say the fixture congestion here and going forward i mean there's a euro tournament going on in the summer Mm. do you think also from from a purely a spectator point of view do you think there's a risk of people not getting fed up with football because i don't think it happened like that but when it's on, normally it's Saturdays, isn't it, is your football? Maybe all Wednesdays. Whereas this is every night of a week, there's a game on, isn't there? Yeah. Do you think that from a maybe fan fatigue almost point of view? Um, do you know what? I'd, I'd say it's down to what life you have in the respect that if you, I suppose if you live on your own or, you know, if you've got a lot of time on your hands, that fixture list you're looking at, you're thinking, get in. Yeah. You know, if you're a football fan, you're thinking, brilliant, I've got a football game every night. If you're obviously a, a person who's quite, I don't know, active in other ways or you've got loads of things on, you might look at those fixtures and think, well, I'm not going to watch all of them. So I'll just pick and choose yeah. me games. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of that fan fatigue, oh, fans not 
I don't know. I think people are going to look at that. The majority of football fans are going to look at that fixture list and think, get in, there's a game every night. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry, a bit of a tangent for me. <laughs> no, that's okay. But I was, I was just going to mention that the big game for me is Leeds-Liverpool there. I mean, Leeds, what? A, can we just say, what a win on the weekend? What a win. Yeah. Stewie Dallas, the guy you mentioned a couple of weeks ago <laughs> as your captain against against Sheffield United, he did nothing. Well, I say he did nothing. He hit the bar and he played very well, but he, he didn't get a Points goal. Twice, yeah. yeah. And then he gets two goals against Man City. What can you do? <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you what, I bet if Gav was on this episode, he'd be uh, he'd be buzzing to talk about that game, wouldn't he? Yeah, good job. This, yeah, we, <laughs> that, that was last week. The, <laughs> the goal. <laughs> so, uh, who's your fantasy football captain choice then? Out of those fixtures, no, hoping for better luck this week. Um, I've actually gone with Mason Mount this week. Uh, Chelsea have got Brighton at home. And they are pretty high. They've gone from being very solid to like showing elements of that attacking sort of uh, prowess, haven't they, Chelsea? And he yes. has been pivotal in that. Um, and also there's the added element of an England shirt at the Euros on the line for him as well. So I'd expect him to carry on that sort of form through till then because he's got one hand on that shirt. So I've gone him. Um, yeah. That's an interesting you? one, that. I've gone Alexander Lacazette. Okay. He he scored two against Sheffield United on the weekend. Um, I know Arsenal have got a massive game tomorrow night against Slavia Prague, but I believe Lacazette might, might not, might be dropped for Aubameyang because Aubameyang didn't start on Sunday. So I've got a feeling Aubameyang could start, which means if Lacazette's fresh and fit for Fulham on Sunday, I think he could score again on the weekend. I like that. Especially against a team who look a bit depleted at the moment, fair to say. Yeah. Lost to Villa and Wolves, didn't they? They've had some losses that are probably the ones that are hard to take, aren't they? Where they've come so near. Like Wolves, for yeah. example, that late uh, late winner, sorry, from Adama Traore. So, yeah, but yeah, you wonder if that's taking the wind out of the sails a bit. Okay, Super 6 predictions. This is going to be interesting. I think we've got one Premier League game, have we? We have. Yeah, no, one, one Premier one. League game and the remaining five in the Championship. So, what's your Newcastle West Ham prediction? That's a tough one to predict. Thinking exactly the same, I could see this going anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. So I've I've settled in the middle and I've got a one-all draw. But yeah, I can just I, yeah I can't call that. No, I, I've, I've agreed with you there. 1-1. One, one. I've gone 1-1. One, one. I think Newcastle are the... Well, that fantastic win against Burnley, St. Maximum scoring, coming on and scoring, um, which has given them a little bit of a... a little bit of um, a gap, although West Brom winning probably didn't help. Um, yeah, I think Newcastle could get something there. Mm. Definitely. What's the next game here? Brentford-Millwall. Yeah, um, I've gone 2-0 Brentford here. I know Millwall are going okay at the moment, um, but I just think Brentford at home on a good run. I think they stuffed five past someone the weekend as well. So I've gone 2 We've copied each other here. Have we? <laughs> yeah, 2-0. <laughs> Go on, you can serve first on the uh, Luton-Watford game then. 
Luton Watford. Luton coming on the the back of a three one win at Wickham, but Watford's record here. Wow, I'm going to go three nil Watford. Well, we've gone close. I've gone three one Watford. Oh, so fancy Luton to get a goal. Sheffield Wednesday, Bristol City. Now, I swear these are two teams that come up every week in our Super Six. <laughs> now, I had this thing about the next couple as well. There's two teams coming up as well that seem to be every week. Um, but I've gone the home side, 2-0. Uh, okay, I've gone an away win, 2-1. Oh, now yeah. we've gone different. There we have. Back up north, Borough against QPR. Yeah, mixed bag for both teams. Um, gone Borough to sneak it 1-0. Yay, we've copied again. There we are, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No goalless yet. Is he going to go goalless for Forest Huddersfield? You guessed it. <laughs> <laughs> you knew it had to come. Um, yeah, I've got goalless there. To be fair, Forest have just had a goalless with Bristol City. Back-to-back goalless, though. That'd yeah. be poor, wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh, it would be. Yeah, I- I've gone 1-0 to Forest. And my golden goal prediction for number four. Yeah, 17. 17. We've both got favourite numbers there, haven't we? Yeah. So let me just check the round for last week. Who won? Oh, it was a midweek win for Ash Harris. Well done, Ash Harris with eight points. I came second with six. Gav with four, third. And you took fourth place, Chris, with four. (laughs) No major dramas there. (laughs) But that's because about 10 people didn't do it. So yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> right then, FA Cup games. I think we should just quickly touch on this because there's two semi-final, Chelsea, Man City, and then the big one, Leicester, Southampton. The reason why I say big one is because they're allowing fans in, aren't they? It's a trial game. Um, oh, is that I this think, one? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so that, that's the reason, because people will say, big one, it has to be Chelsea City. Well, no, there's going to be fans in this game, so I'm hoping that will be a success yeah. to watch. Yeah. Who's going through to the final there, Chris? I think that Man City will win the game on the Saturday against Chelsea. And I am actually going to go a bit against Grain here. I think they're going to be playing Southampton in the final. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I've got this thing about Leicester late in seasons. Um, I don't think they're going to get top four either. And yeah, I don't know. I, I just fancy Southampton. No back into, no like found into that. But yeah, I'm going to. Well, yeah. funny enough, I'm the complete opposite. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think Chelsea will beat Man City. And I'll tell you why. Man City had a massive game against Dortmund. They then go into a big game with Leeds. They then go to into another big game with Dortmund. And I know, look, I know Pep's got the rotation spot on. But I just think playing those teams, Dortmund and Leeds, you know, the intensity, the press, the high energy, it's going to take a lot out of those City players. Um, and Chelsea are going to be a team that are probably going to allow City the ball and sit back and be very resilient but you alluded to Mason Mount before I think he could be a massive uh, key in Chelsea's win there I think Chelsea will sneak that on Mm. Saturday and then I think Leicester will comfortably beat Southampton I think Vardy will be back on his scoring form 
Okay, so we'll see how that one plays out. You've given a lot more thought to that than I have. A lot more reason. <laughs> so Well, yeah, a lot more reason, but you know exactly what's going to happen now. City, Southampton final. <laughs> and then I quickly just want to mention the Women's Super League because on the 20th of April, it's a huge game. West Ham, who were third bottom, are playing Villa, who were bottom. Uh, Villa have had no win in five, but they can go above West Ham with a victory. And I've kept an eye out for local star Carrie Jones. So, Chris, she was on the bench again last week for Man United. Um, they sadly lost to Brighton 1-0. OK, but good to see. Pretty safe spot on the, the bench, it seems to be. So, yeah, um, for what, a 17-year-old? Yeah. You've got to say so, that's impressive. Yeah, definitely. And, so, uh, big up to Carrie Jones there. Yeah, to go back to your, your villa there, you've got to say, do a win. <laughs> No win in five. We'll keep an eye out on that one. Okay, third clue, Chris, for the sports quiz question. So your penultimate clue. In 2017, I was bought for 1.7 million by the rising Poon supergiants in the IPL. We're getting somewhere. You're given a sport. <laughs> I have given a sport. Why are we? So we're in the cricket world. Yeah. So we're in the cricket world. Someone born in New Zealand, raised in England. Correct. Okay, I think I've I think we're farming here, Paddy. Do you think do you think you've got it? Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe we don't give an answer oh. yet. Yeah. Just you know, because the listeners uh might still be playing along and waiting for that fourth clue, but that's good that you think that you've got it. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. Didn't think that was going to come <laughs> after the first two clues. I was worrying. <laughs> <laughs> right then. Greatest of all times, part two. So we alluded to these a uh, couple of weeks. Well, we had, sorry, we had the goats part one, two weeks ago, didn't we? Yeah. And then we mentioned our golf ones last week because it was a special. I quickly want to put oh. in here, Pat, as well. Sorry. Yeah. Um, your golfing goat on the same day we released the podcast was a bit controversial, didn't he? Or should I say his son? Um, oh, go on. Who has now actually been, his son's been banned from Augusta. Uh, Who's this? His son, is it Wayne Player? Um, it was basically his caddy for that, uh, the honorary starter, you know, where they were teeing off. Yeah. And Lee Elders was the first black player to play in the Masters. Um, so they were sort of, I don't know, speaking to him or something. And in the background, uh, Gary Player's son was holding up a tube of golf balls, their own golf balls. That's like a bit of a, people have seen it as a marketing stunt. So his son's actually been banned now. So <laughs> you, got, you, you gave Gary Player a shout out and his son's been banned from Augusta. So... <laughs> Well, talk about jinx. That is one. <laughs> I can't believe that. What a stat, though, that is. What a stat. You know, all, all these people who would pray and you know, really want to play at Augusta, and someone who's there pretty much every year has now been banned. Yeah, not him we should oh. like emphasize, his son. but um, His son, yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> well, yeah, Gary plays like 85. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to start with tennis, Chris. So uh, I've done a bit of research here, but I'm going to start with you, if that's okay, with your tennis goat. Okay, so this 
I deliberated over this one a bit. Um, and basically, I was down to Federer and Nadal for me. Um, the two, both on 20 Grand Slam wins. Um, but the thing which sort of sealed the deal for me was thinking back to the 2008 Wimbledon final and that Federer-Nadal match, uh, which is probably one of the, I don't know, the best matches of tennis, like sport in general, um, which Nadal pipped, didn't he? And mm. that for me sort of sealed the deal. Um, that's my sort of, mem- like one big memory of tennis. So I'm going to go Nadal here. Okay, I've got two. Um, again, I've had to do my research here um, because, yeah, if I was to be in a biased position or to be in my era, I'd go Federer. But I want to mention this man, uh, Rod Laver. He's an Australian and he was called the Rocket. Now, he won two hundred tournaments, which is the most in tennis history. Two hundred. Two hundred. That's madness. He also won 11 Grand Slams. And get this, he was the number one in the world from 1964 to 1970. So for six years, he kept his number one status. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty mad. So, you know, because this is greatest of all time, and I've had a bit of feedback off my neighbour who said, when, when we were talking about Hamilton and Schumacher, he went, well, hang on, can't you go a bit earlier and, and have a think about the ones earlier? And I thought, okay, fair enough, I'll take that on board. And Rod Laver, for me, stood out. So he's going to be my first GOAT. But then I have to mention Serena Williams. 23 Grand Slams, well clear of next best Steffi Graf. Um and I think not only on the field, she's an icon off, sorry, on the court, she's an icon off the court as well with her, her promotions her, in those are magazines. I think she's an inspirational woman. Um, so, yeah, Serena Williams as well for me. Yeah, like you say, sort of revolutionised the, the female game as well, really, didn't she? Um, so, yeah, 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 totally agree there. Rugby union, Chris? Now then... This was one which I had scratched over a bit as well. Um, but I went, I've gone fairly recent again. Uh, I've gone Richie McCaw, um, captain of that all black side, just purely because, like, it's like that side barely lost again. They were so formidable, weren't they? And what did he captain them to two World Cup wins, I believe? And that's yeah. just sort of the image of him with the World Cup trophy, is sort of symbolizes rugby for me. Um, what are you gone with? Yeah, I also wrote down Richie McCaw. I've got here, he was a play, Rugby World Player of the Year in 2006, 2009 and 2010. Yeah. So that shows what kind of player he was. Um, I also found out apparently he was like a, a leader in the dressing room. So before the All Blacks went out and played, he was a massive integral part of that squad that went on to win two World Cups. Yeah. So it speaks for itself um, to that one. Yeah. So because you mentioned Richie, I'm going to go for Jonah Lom- Jonah Lomu. I think have I pronounced his name right? Jonah uh, Lomu. Yeah. yeah, the chap that died fairly recently, wasn't it? Oh, did he? Yeah, he was quite young. Was like kidneys, put a bit of doom and gloom on it. But I think it was twenty. Oh, okay. Fifteen, sixteen. Could be wrong. So again, New Zealand player. Um, he had 63 caps and he scored 185 points between 94 and 2002. So I thought that was quite, um, well, it was unbelievable when I was reading. But 
the, the bit that stood out for me, he holds the record of the Rugby World Cup um, all-time top try scorer. He had 15 tries in the 1995 World Cup. Oh, wow. So, aware, he, yeah. yeah, so for me, I'm going to go Jonah Lomu. Hmm. Two more, cricket and athletics. So we'll start with cricket, Chris. Okie dokie. Um, I've gone batsman and I've gone for the little master, Sachin Tendulkar. Oh. Uh, partly, a bit of both, really. Obviously, on the cricket field, the highest run score in both ODI and test cricket, which is pretty impressive. And then almost is how much he means in India to people. He's like a king, isn't he? There, and he is. I think it's um, is it the Times hundred influ- most influential people or something. He's regularly listed in there, I believe, um, which shows like how much he means to the, not just the world of cricket but India as a country. So that's my choice there. I'm split between three, and they're all knights. Would you believe? So Sir Ian Botham, Sir Don Bradman, and Sir Viv Richards. And I could not split between those three. If I was to, if you'd probably to say one, I'd probably go Ian Botham due to his all-round unbelievable success and that eighty-one ashes. They called him the Botham Ashes, didn't they? Mm. Um, so for me, I, I'm, I'm between those three. Don Bradman, his batting average, get this, ninety-nine point ninety-four. All right, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, and Viv Richards had a batting test average of fifty as well. So I feel like I had to mention all those three. But again, people who are listening, um, feel free to have your say on our Facebook and Instagram social media at Sports In. And we finish with athletics. Interesting one, this. I have quite a few names. Who have you gone for? I've gone purely again. It's it's from what I've uh, sort of the my what I've seen of athletics, should I say. Um so I have gone with none other than Usain Bolt, um, just purely because that period, those Olympic Games and World Championships, where he was just untouchable, and he, <laughs> he just, oh. yeah, just seemed to breathe it. And it was, um, yeah, that to me it was just so standout, and yeah, everyone was just watching Bolt, wasn't it? <laughs> um, so yeah, that's my choice there, Paddy. Again, I've gone three. <laughs> but I will name one. So my, my third is Pavo Nermi uh, back in the day here, but he had 22 world records and is the only ever undefeated person in the 10,000 metres in his career. So oh. he never lost the 10,000 metres when he, when he took part, which I thought was staggering. Then you've got Edwin Moses. Um, and what I liked about Edwin was it was the all nines, so exactly nine years, nine months and nine days that Moses went undefeated over all 400 metre hurdle races, which I thought was quite unbelievable stat. Oh. Um, and I also wanted to mention him because of Lauren. So when I interviewed Lauren, she was she's obviously a 400 metre hurdle runner as well. So I thought that would be quite good to gauge it in that. But for me, I'm going to go Carl Lewis. Okay. Because yeah. he is only one of three athletes in Olympic history to ever successfully defend their Olympic title in four consecutive Olympics. Yeah. Um, with the long jump, wasn't it? Yeah. That's, yeah. A good show. Carl Lewis. Yeah. yeah. So, so Carl Lewis for me, 
uh, is my greatest of all time in athletics. Again, feel free to let us know your thoughts on that. Right then, Chris, on this day, fact, I had to put this in. I had <laughs> I've to. just seen this. <laughs> I had to. Um, uh, I've got a story for the listeners here. So the on this day fact, April the 14th, 2016. Now, I could have done April the 15th tomorrow uh, when, when it gets released, but I've done it for today because of this story. So it was Liverpool 4, Borussia Dortmund 3. Uh, in the Europa League quarterfinals. Now, for those who don't know, we came back from 3-1. We had to win on the night to go through and Dejan Lovren scored a header to make it 4-3 on an, in an iconic night for Liverpool, especially the day before Hillsborough uh, with the You'll Never Walk Alone with Dortmund, who also sing it in Germany. But it was, it was also a, a strange night for me because I was training uh, for my KFC shift, right? Because <laughs> I was working for KFC then and I was training in Oswald Street. And I'm not joking now, every 10 minutes that I was supposed to be on the till serving customers, <laughs> I went in the back and checked my phone. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to, right? But I was so interested in what the score was. And the first check I saw, 2-0 Dortmund. Ugh. Second check, 2-1. Right, great. Next check, 3-1. Oh, we're out. And then I checked and it was 3-3. And I was working with a lad. Do you, know, do you remember Emlyn Hughes, Chris? <laughs> That's it, from yeah. School. Class from the past, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so he's also a big Liverpool fan. And I said to Emlyn, I said, oh, Emlyn, it's 3-3. Sacco scored uh, in the 77 minute. We still got time. And Emlyn was Emlyn was cooking the chicken then. <laughs> uh, me and him, me and him were talking. And I was supposed to be, uh, you know, talking to customers and, and getting the, the gravies to them and stuff. But I was like, Emlyn, we've still got a chance here. Anyway, uh, 10 minutes later, I've looked at my phone and it's a massive headline <laughs> saying Lovren winner. And me and Evelyn on CCTV <laughs> have ran to each other, hugging each other, bouncing up and down in the back of KFC. Oh, it was just unbelievable. We were meant to be doing our job. And we, there we were celebrating a win, which we weren't even there. Uh, which uh, is a, a brilliant, brilliant tale. Brilliant story for myself. But <laughs> yeah. But then even better, the next day when we had to come in for training, they're, they're all clapping us in, me and Emlyn. We're like, why are they clapping? They go, oh, we looked at the CCTV from last night. We were laughing our heads off. And I just thought, <laughs> oh, we got away with it then. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's the story for on this day. I had to share that. Sorry, listeners. I just had to. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, speaking of European football, Chris, Champions League, what are we thinking? Yeah, so we had Chelsea progress last night, wasn't it? And PSG actually not by now. Uh, and tonight we have Liverpool Madrid, Paddy. You'll be watching that one or keep an eye on that one. So you fancy your chances? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. Obviously, this will be released uh, tomorrow. So people listening might might think, you know, but um, no, well, I don't. I don't. No. Real Madrid could easily score two or three past us, and that means we'd have to score six. That's the so, thing, I um, think, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, for me, no. But, you know, it's Liverpool, and you never know. Um, Dortmund City is the big one, though. I think yeah. it's Dortmund. I tell you what, if Dortmund knocks City out, that's another year Pep's not won a Champions League with City. That's, yeah, it's uh, it's massive game for them, isn't it? 
and him. I think he really uh, is. Yeah. He made, he made Bex and I laugh today. He, on his interview, he goes, oh, if we lose, everyone will say it's a Pep Guardiola failure. And if we win, everyone will say it's a Pep Guardiola genius. And I'm like, so not about your players then. It's about you, obviously. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I, I thought that was quite strange to say the night before. A, it's an under-pressure man. Yeah, I think, I think you're right there. I think you're right. <laughs> Okay, past the pod challenge. We didn't do this last week because of the special. I'm hoping for some good news here, Chris. I can uh, I can bring you good news, Paddy. I've uh, I've been reliably informed um, that we have washed up in uh, the United Arab Emirates. <laughs> Dubai, baby, yeah. <laughs> Dubai, baby, <laughs> Dubai, baby. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we, yeah. What a what a strange progression. Um, Who's that? Uh, don't know. <laughs> is the honest That's answer. Unbelievable. Someone at work has passed the pod. Uh, big shake Browner uh, in goal. So for Mule. Oh, Jake Brown. Day. Yeah, Browner. Uh, regular. Yeah, Browner. Yeah, so he's some good pad pos- uh, pod passing there from from the chap. Oh, I love that. And we've so we've kept. We've obviously had the US. We've had. Where else do we have Chris? Australia. Australia and Ireland. An island, and now we've got Dubai. Yeah. <laughs> what wow. a strange mix. <laughs> That's fantastic. I love that. What news? That's cheering me up, that is. <laughs> right then, our fourth and final clue. So this might um, make it even more confirmed for you, Chris. I hit 11 fours and eight sixes in the 2019 Ashes with an unbeaten 135 to chase down 359 and win the third test in Headingley. And Chris, the answer is... Benjamin Stokes. You are absolutely correct. The pause killed me there, Pat. (laughs) I thought I'd made a fool of myself. (laughs) Yeah, Ben Stokes. I thought it was... Well, my... My thought was, well, if I mention the birthplace, it might not come to them as quick, you know, for cricket fans. But obviously, it came to you with the third clip. No, yeah, I think that's well well staged. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Nice one. Ben Stokes, speaking of uh, Ben Stokes, he's broken his hand, hasn't he? Or finger. He's had to have surgery. Oh, is well, he? he's out I'm the IPL. Yeah. Oh, heck. Well, there we go. He went for a catch yesterday or a couple of days ago. And um, I think he's, well... I don't know if whether he caught it or dropped it, but he, yeah, I think he's he's out the I, full IPL now, which is a shame. Oh dear! Need to get him ready for that T Twenty World Cup in the summer. Okay, well that's it for this week. Uh, anything that we've mentioned today that you'll be keeping a close eye on, Chris? Yeah, I've enjoyed that one, uh, Pat. I will. Well, it's hard to avoid the football this week, isn't it? <laughs> Every day it of the is. week. Um, so that there's also um, a marathon in Hamburg that uh, Elliot Kipchoge is taking part in. Um, okay. And he was pretty undefeatable until London last October, where he surprisingly finished eighth out of nowhere. Um, so it'll be interesting. Don't know if I'll, I don't know if you can watch it anywhere live, but um, it'll be interesting to see if he can respond and um, get back. So I'll be keeping an eye on that. You. 
Uh, yeah, European football, for sure. Keep an eye out. And then I think um, try and watch Chelsea-Man City. I think that'll be a fantastic uh, FA Cup match. Yeah. Great stuff. Well, thank you for listening. And we look forward to bringing the next episode to you in a week's time. In the meantime, you can find us on social media to keep up to date with our latest plans and releases. Thank you, as ever, to Black Market. Boys, we really appreciate it. And I hope um, now that we're coming out of lockdown a little bit, that you'll be able to get some more gigs in and enjoy. I'm sure, uh, yeah. Like you say, Paddy, will uh, if they do have any gigs uh, in the area, we'll certainly near the time. Um, yeah, spread that a bit. Be yeah, good definitely. To, be good for them to get back out. Agreed. Right then. Cheers, Chris. Cheers, Pat. See you in the same place next week. Goodbye.